0: This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 143. Comic reviews for the week of Wednesday, February the 5th. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. This is your host, Adam Chapman, and this is episode 143, Comic Reviews episode for Wednesday, February the 5th. Uh, A lot of comic books came out last week. Um, I feel like I'm starting to hit a groove back uh, like I used to with the Reviews episodes. For a while, there was a period where I was really averaging maybe... Anywhere from 6 to 10 books I was reviewing per week And slowly we're starting to raise that average uh, as we go along Which is good, so there's more and more books being covered every week Uh, This week, a fair bit of comics, although i got to be fair A lot of the comics I kind of felt middle of the road on Or I think there's a lot of 6s and 7s this week So let's jump right in uh, to our reviews episode The first book we're going to take a look at is uh, one of the all new Marvel Now books That came out this week, there was a ton of them Uh, This one was all new Invaders uh, this was issue number two. Uh, they're really coming fast and furious with some of these books. Uh, Black Widow especially reaches issue three this week. Um, but the all-new Invaders, I'm kind of liking that it's, you know, it's the wartime kind of team. You've got Captain America, Winter Soldier, and Human Torch, and Namor are a ostensibly. And obviously they're the wartime version of the Invaders, but they're operating in the current day, obviously Bucky's the Winter Soldier now, Steve is still Cap America, Jim Hammond has uh, gone through being alive, then dead, and alive, then dead and he's currently alive, uh, Namor is currently captured as we uh, come into this book, uh, this issue uh, not as much, I guess, maybe forthright momentum here it's a lot more of kind of recap of what's been going on, um, we see the Winter Soldier fighting against uh, some Kree assassins I don't know if Winter Soldier would really have that much knowledge about the Kree, but that's neither here nor there, really. Um, you've got uh, Winter Soldier and Captain America going to the defense of Jim Hammond, the Human Torch, which was really cool as they go up against the uh, the current um, what what is her name? I'm trying to remember the the Kree that they're up against. I believe it's Tannalaath, the Grand High Pursuer. That's right. Uh, They fight against her. It's kind of an interesting fight there. Um, I wish that there was a little bit more here. There's a a panel where Human Torch is sorry that he kind of has helped ruin this area. That he kind of started calling his home. And I wish that there would be a little bit more of a character moment there. Because it's just like him saying he's sorry. And then suddenly they're in the Quinjet and we kind of forget about it. Um, Considering how big the first issue was concerned with the Human Torch's uh, past. Not his past, his current present. It was a little weird to kind of jump away from that so quickly. Um... You find out more about this character, Major Liberty, who teamed up uh, against, uh, you know, the possessed Hela uh, and, uh, and Strucker in issue number one that we saw. We learn more about how these people don't have their memories, but because uh, the original Vision, the alien cop on Earth, who's basically kind of the Martian Manhunter, by the sounds of that, um, is the ones who kind of wiped all their memories. I'm hoping we'll get to see more of the Vision because I don't really know much about this version of them. And then the issue ends with them kind of deciding that they're going to go and save their brother-in-arms, Namor, uh, by invading them, because that's the tie-in of the name of the, of the book. Um, as much as it maybe didn't progress a lot of the plot, I thought it was a really well-illustrated issue by Justif Pugh, or Pook. I don't know how to pronounce that. Still don't after all these years. Uh, James Robinson weaves a nice script. Um, I like how he writes these characters. Um, I'm really enjoying this. I mean, I think uh, it's definitely worth buying, worth reading. I like that it's a way of bringing these characters into the modern day. I give it an eight out of ten. Very solid read, solid book. Uh, next up is Batman Joker's Daughter. Uh, I don't know why this book even exists. It's a one-shot. Uh, at least I believe it's just a one-shot. Yeah, it's one-shot. Um, it's by Margaret Bennett with artwork by Megan Megan, Megan Hetrick, and I really dislike this book. I'm honestly just not sure why this book even exists or why it has to exist. Um, I read this and I just, I didn't get it. It's just this character who appears to be really like nameless. We don't really know who she is, what she is. She just wants to be known as Gotham as, or as uh, Joker's daughter. It appears that she thinks that she's got Joker's face, which is in itself really creepy because it was already diseased. And she's like chewing into it and like ingesting it almost. And, and like, putting it onto her face like this is just a really messed up a book um this weird joker's daughter character again she's got real no reason to exist she's trying to fight batman um trying to mess around and trying to like reclaim like this joker mentality um it's just not a very good issue it's just it's it's trying to be like unnecessarily violent uh the whole thing is just kind of ridiculous um I really did not appreciate or enjoy this. The, the whole segment with the doll maker at the end was kind of creepy as well. And the time was over. It was just like, there's no reason for this to exist at all. Like, what is this horrible story? It just was really atrocious. Um, yeah, so I don't know who greenlit this, whose idea this was. It was awful. Um, I give this a, I'm going to give this a two. Um, probably one of the worst books I'll read in a while. This was, this is bad. Stay away from this crap. Um, Next up is Batwing, number 28. Um, I found this issue to be really frustrating because the last issue is part of Gothopia, and then suddenly Gothopia is gone, and we're just moving the plot along, and it just felt really awkward. And maybe I'm wrong, but I I felt like Gothopia was still going on when the last issue ended, so maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just don't know what's happening in the book, which is completely possible. Um, The issue is written by... Justin Gray and Jimmy Pabliotti with artwork by Eduardo Pansica and Julio Ferreira. Um, I actually kind of dug this. Um, you know, it wasn't the strongest issue, but I, I did, for the most part, really like the artwork. Uh, the Batwing stuff. Uh, you know, it, I'm, I'm, I'm liking Lucas Fox. Uh, the Ratcatcher stuff that I didn't really enjoy. Um, I mean, basically, it involves, like, you know, they're, they're looking for Lucas's what, his sister, and he's trying to, uh, to find her. In both his guises, he's also trying to kind of make a little bit of peace with his dad. Um, You know, it's it's a tense issue, and there's not a lot of really. I I don't think this is the strongest issue of Batwing uh, since Lucas Fox became Batwing, but it definitely has its merits. I'm gonna give it a six out of ten. Next up is Black Widow number three. Uh, Black Widow for me is the kind of stealth hit of the all-new Marvel Now crowd. Um, I would not have expected this to be a book that I would absolutely adore and think was so great. Um, It's written by Nathan Edmondson, who also, uh, I believe, is writing Punisher, but we'll get to that. Uh, Artwork is by Phil Noto. Uh, So far, these are all kind of done-in-ones. I really like the kind of light uh, artistic style of Phil Noto takes on this book, although there is some different color palettes that change throughout. Um, Basically, it starts with um, Black Widow kind of going to retrieve a, a criminal. She breaks into a prison she escapes with this, uh, with with this criminal, but then ends up uh, kind of having a little bit of a, um, a fight. Um, and but she, she has to you know stop people and she has to to get this guy out. And uh, no, I, re- I really dig how they're kind of dealing with this. And then she realizes that the man she's kind of rescued is actually a pretty horrible person on his own. So then she ends up letting the guy die. Um, so it's kind of showing their morality. Is she takes on jobs to kind of. From bad people to take out worse people, but then she realizes she's freed someone who's basically a really bad guy and known for really bad things, so she she takes him out um, and lets him get eaten by crocodiles. Like, it's. She's an interesting morality play going on here with Black Widow. Um, I'm interested to see where the next issue will go when she takes a a, a job from uh, Maria Hill. Um, Also, like that she's very fiercely uh, defensive and protective of people close to her, including this woman who's being. you know, abused by her by her husband, um, just quite a strong issue. I, again, they've all pretty much been done in ones thus far, but that has not been a detriment. Um, I think each story's been quite strong in establishing this character and her current current mo, um, seeing how she takes her jobs and how she acts on the jobs and how what, what her kind of thought process is. I mean, this is the probably the deepest, most introspective we've ever seen Black Widow as a character. Um, and I, and I like that. I mean, it does not necessarily line up with all the other depictions of her? No, it doesn't. I mean, especially throughout the last 50 years, there have been so many different versions of Black Widow. However, I do like they're taking a very specific take on her. And it's kind of uh, Hawkeye-ish in that this is her when she's not part of one of the Avengers, when she's not running around being a superhero or, you know, working for... Well, actually, not even when she's not working for S.H.I.E.L.D. because we're about to see one of the S.H.I.E.L.D. jobs. So, really, it's when she's not being a superhero, <coughs> she has her own life, own contacts, own missions that she runs on her own, and I really like this kind of look into her life. I gave it an eight and a half out of ten. Fantastic book. Uh next up is Captain America sixteen point now. Uh I thought this was actually not a very strong kind of issue to be part of the old new Marvel now, mainly because uh it's yes, it's kind of an entry point into understanding the uh, the next storyline, but it's very little Cap actually no Captain America. It's all about now nah, I forget her freaking name. Uh, this character that has come back—what uh, was her name? Jet Black, Arnim Zola's daughter. Who I gotta say, I do like the art here. In that, although at times the coloring makes it look like she's wearing an, like a, an outfit um, that is actually covering everything, but then people kind of act as if she's not wearing it. Like it's kind of an odd, like piece. It's like it's—it's it's almost like she's wearing very light black. Uh, body suit which is barely covering it which actually doesn't cover anything it's almost like it's just wearing like tights all over her body and then there's some fabric holding her breasts in and it's just kind of an odd costume design although she definitely looks better here as uh with the artwork by who does the art um pascal alix uh and with the color art by edgar delgado with antonio fabella and israel silva i recommend her still writing um, it's interesting to kind of have the focus on Jet Black, and again, I really like the artwork here, it's one of the highlights of the issue, it's really strong, it's an, it's almost Mike Diodato-esque sometimes, um, it's again, it's kind of a morality play of its own, of of her not really understanding this world that she's stuck on, uh, she has this long conversation with this old friend of Arnim or so someone who works for an old friend of Arnim which eventually leads her to Red Skull and his S-Men, um, Which is quite interesting, and uh, at the end it's kind of this weird, kind of, like, what really happened and what didn't happen. Um, But what bugs me about it is that it's called, you know, the Iron Nails uh, uh, prologue, a decision. And I'm not really sure exactly what that decision is that she's even being asked to make. Um, Besides, um, you know, uh, Red Skull kind of wanting to, to deal with her and be an ally of sorts with Jet Black. Um, that being said a, a solid issue very strong artwork I'm going to give it a 7 um, I'm interested to see what the next uh, storyline will be like with the Doctor Mind Bubble who is such a weird weird depiction of a character from what we've seen so far uh, next up is Detective Comics 28 um can, you know it's alright I mean I, I, I was going to give it a 7 and I think it deserves it I mean I really like the artwork by Aaron LaPresti. Uh, the writing by John Lehman is pretty strong um it, it just feels like we've gotten a lot of, of, of uh, Scarecrow recently, and it's an interesting kind of tale of this, you know, Batman's been mentally compromised, he's trying to figure out a way out of uh, Arkham, and uh, he teams up with Poison Ivy, and they kind of work on coming up with an antidote to what, what uh, Scarecrow is, is doing to mess with everyone. He has to fight against Croc to try and get out of prison, and then it looks like uh, right before he gets out of Arkham, um, it looks like he's going to have to deal with these weird Scarecrow-fied versions of his friends. Including, it looks like Talon, who's not really his friend at all. Uh, Batwoman, again, not really his friend at all. Uh, Batgirl, definitely a friend, and I, I think it's supposed to be Catwoman, but I don't know because it almost looks like the character has, has does not have breasts, so I'm not sure if it's a female version of the character or not. Uh, interesting, anyway. Um, I enjoyed it again. I the Gottopia thing I think could have been a much stronger, maybe even longer storyline if we had see, if it hadn't just kind of jumped into the middle of it. And being like, oh look, oh, everything's weird. And had the story as a backup in issue 27. I think I'm just, the whole Gothopia, the way they launched it, really rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and the fact that all the other issues that were part of Gothopia didn't really have a, an adequate setup or even a prologue page to explain what the hell was going on. And then apparently only have one issue and now it's over, again without any real explanation, which bugs me. I'm going to give this a 7, though. Uh, next up is Earth 2, number 20. Tom Taylor continues his book. Um, I like this issue. I found it pretty strong, although I hated the cover by Jay Lee. Um, It's written by Tom Taylor, artwork by Barry Kitson. I love Barry Kitson's artwork. He's a fantastic artist. Um, I mean, I love Nicola Scott, too, don't get me wrong. She's a great artist on this book, but so is Kitson. He is just great. Um, This issue I found very distracting at times. Was I distracted? Sorry, I wasn't distracted. It was more that there was, wasn't a lot of forward momentum. I feel like a lot's kind of happening really quickly in the sidelines, and we're seeing this slow, you know, dealing of Batman and his forces kind of gathering in the cave. And I, There's a large, a long segment with this Kryptonian character and Red Tornado, which I liked, but again, it felt a little slow and drawn out. Uh, it's not that it's bad, it's just taking its time getting there. I mean, that's what's only thing that's really docking this away just down to a seven as opposed to an eight is that I just thought it could have moved the storyline along a little bit further, uh, considering how much momentum the, like the first few issues that Tom Taylor was doing. And again, there is some stuff here that a lot happens, but it just happens so quickly. We spend a few pages on long drawn out speeches or discussions. Even though I like them with the Red Tornado and the Kryptonian, but then you have stuff with Superman leading the Hell de- the Parademons, and like destroying churches and you know of uh, uh, churches of Scientology and synagogues and Catholic churches, Christian churches, whatever, and kind of breaking the idea that there's only one and that's got Dark Side. And I just feel like that could have almost been an issue of its own, like showing the destruction, showing you know this, this rampage of Superman and these forces he's commanding, and it happened so quickly. And then we just spend so much time with this conversation with the Kryptonian Red Tornado, which, although interesting, is still just kind of cycling its wheels because we're not really pushing the plot forward. Um, but as I guess I said the artwork is fantastic as well by Kitson. I give it a seven out of ten. Like, it's not a bad book. It's just taking a time getting there. Uh, Next up is Forever Evil number five. I give this about a five. Partially because I think the artwork is kind of... At times, it's completely terrible. Uh, David Finch has a a unique, particular style. You can always kind of tell it's David Finch. Uh, For the most part, I usually like his artwork. I just found it was too grungy here and lacking in certain details. And it looked looked a little rushed. Um, It wasn't always clear. I, I just... This, this was some of his weakest work I've seen. Uh, it just looked kind of shoddy at times. And again, unnecessary gore, like chopping off Powering's hand... Or, sorry, his arm. Uh, or, I forget what other character, but some character being... I think it was uh, Copperhead being shot in the head by Deathstroke. Um, again, the plot's kind of slow here, too. In that, there's like, you have a lot of time... Devoted to powering, running away from Sinestro, as well as uh, the force, the you know villains of this Earth who have been allied with the CSA, going up against uh, Luther's little ragtag squad and Batman. Um, you know, and that it, it just kind of goes on, but like, does it really matter to the overall storyline? It doesn't feel like it actually is that big a deal. We're two issues away from the end, and yet I feel like, in a lot of ways, not a lot has actually happened. We kind of started with the CSA having won already. Uh, we didn't really know what they were looking for, trying to do. And they kind of... You know, all the villains kind of said, yeah. And all the heroes were suddenly gone. Like, there's so many heroes in the DCU. Not, there's not just the Justice League. Yet it feels like in this book, there are no heroes. Which is why you have Luther having to kind of team up on his own. With other like-minded villains to kind of go up against the CSA. Um, the parts with Parallax... Uh, sorry, with Parallax. Sinestro looks like Parallax, so that's why I say it. I like the parts with Sinestro... Um, in his kind of the quick discussion with Batman he could have been a great Sinister Corps member but don't use those rings anymore um, Batman trying to kind of ascertain that he, he should be in le- leading this ragtag group of villains when really he's the last one who should be trying to order them around and then at the last page we just we spend those two pages to see just the the red crackle in the air which again it feels like a kind of a wasted splash page um, and if next issue is going to be the secret of the crime syndicate what the hell is issue 7 going to be uh I just feel like this is the whole concept of Forever Evil had a lot more potential than what we're actually getting in the main series. And I just feel like it's five months in and I'm ready I'm ready for it to be over. It's just, part of it's that I'm not liking the artwork at all and the storyline doesn't have a lot of pizzazz, a lot of flash, a lot of, you know, excitement. It's just kind of going on. So I'm giving it a five. Uh, then we have the uh, Forever Evil Arkham War. Uh, this is what, issue five of this, which again, it just feels like it's going on and on. Um, I'm gonna give this about a six. Uh, it's it's you know it's entertaining. I mean I like what they're doing with Bane here and the whole idea of, of his forces and uh, what Scarecrow's forces. Um, I love the artwork that's uh, that we're seeing here by Scott Eden, Peter J. Tomasi's writing a one hell of a story. Um, I like seeing all the owls and fighting up against about uh, against Bane as well and Bane in the Giant like uh, Batman costume. Very cool stuff. It's not the version of Bane I love the most. That version of Bane will always be the Secret Six version in Gale, by Gel Simone. Uh, but this is still immensely entertaining. Um, and at the end, kind of seeing uh, a bunch of uh, classic rogues getting infected by Venom and they're going to have to go fight and kill Bane, including what? Clayface. Um, oh, there's a bunch here. Clayface. I think it's Clayface. It may not even be Clayface. Uh, Mr. Freeze appears to be one of them. Yeah, Aclevist is one of them. Uh, Killer Croc. This could be really exciting and interesting and cool, so we'll have to see where they go from here, and it looks like a man bad as well. Uh, So, I mean, it's not the strongest issue, but I'm liking the issue. I think... um, Actually, I was going to give it a 6, but I think it was too harsh. 7 is probably more appropriate. Uh, Next up is Loki, Agent of Asgard. Um, I find this frustrating in some ways because I feel like... Like Kid Loki I really liked And then something happened at the end of his book And I thought he was supposed to kind of be the adult Loki But in Kid Loki body So people wouldn't suspect him And then I didn't read Young Avengers So I don't really know what happened there And now we have like a teen Loki Um But it really just feels like they are Using this version as Basically Tom Hendelson He's younger because he's a teenager But he kind of feels like they're trying to channel that version of Loki Uh A little bit more of a You know sarcastic imp for, Per se Um it's kind of a cool issue. You start off with a, a great, you know, panel of uh, Loki stabbing uh, Thor through the chest with a like a an energy sword, and the panel just says, "I know what I'm doing." And then we go back, and uh, we see how he kind of got here. How he's given a mission by the old mother. Uh, then breaks into the Avengers Tower, um, and basically, you know, he's kind of confronted by Thor. Thor knocks him out the building. Uh, then he's kind of rescued by uh, Hawkeye and Black Widow. He's then kind of confronted by the Avengers, and he then is is able to escape in the hubbub. Uh, He goes to the uh, Avengers database and purges all data about himself, uh, Loki. Um, Then like Thor kind of loses it and tries to attack uh, Loki, and then Loki stabs him with the sword. We learn that actually Thor has been um, corrupted by this energy force. I guess that had something to do with the current Thor God of Thunder arc in uh, that book uh, with Malekith. And so this purges his his body, he's then kind of captured by the Avengers, and then uh, he has a, a drink with uh, Thor, which I always thought was funny, which is, uh, tell me now, is there time for a drink before you make your inevitable escape? And he says, always, oh, Thor, always. Oh, so I kind of like this, the way that they're kind of, um, uh, you know, talking to each other like this. I mean, it's not surprising since Thor wouldn't let, couldn't bear that Loki had died the way he died in Siege, which is why we end up getting Kid Loki in the first place, Um but then, at the end of this issue, it would appear the old mother has actually tried to, is uh, you know, basically had kid uh, teen Loki bring them the essence of the adult Loki, and then I'm just a little bit confused as to what the hell is going on, but I am willing to stick with this book and kind of see where they want to go from here. Um, the, the writing by Al Ewing was definitely entertaining. Uh, the art by Lee Garbit again, was pretty good for the style they're going for, and the, it had a certain sense of humor to it, so I, I enjoyed it. I gave it a 6 out of 10. Um, maybe six and a half is more fair. I keep adjusting. Uh, next up is probably my favorite book of the week, which is Miss Marvel number one. Um, I really wasn't sure to make of this. I, I read, I think the kind of the Miss Marvel um, little t- story in the Old New Marvel Now one shot. Um, Old uh, New Marvel Now point one number one or whatever. Um, but so this is written by was it Woodrow Wilson. Sorry, Willow Wilson, I think it actually is. Woodrow Wilson, obviously, uh, was probably not correct, since he, uh, he's dead. Um, anyways, this issue is written by... I'm just checking my issue. Um, yeah, G. Willow Wilson, uh, written is, is the writer. The artwork is Adrian Alfona who did the uh, Runaway series. Uh, I found this ex- just a lot of fun. The artwork is fantastic. Um, it's a really good character piece, kind of building up this new character... Um, who's Kamala and she is, you know, the new Miss Marvel and kind of see how she gets powers, how, what her origin story looks like, uh, the world she lives in, um, you know, the people she's kind of misunderstood because of her racial background, uh, and her family. Um, her, her brother is kind of very much, uh, taking, you know, the religion to the utmost, whereas his dad doesn't really believe in going that far with it. And, um, you know, poor Kamala just wants to be able to go out to parties and hang out with boys and girls, boys and girls at this party, um, you know, she's not expecting to drink alcohol, she just wants to be able to go out to a party, and then she go finally is, sneaks out to go to a party, uh, her friend is kind of worried about her, his name is Bruno, um, you know, she's given a thing of orange juice by this, uh, this preppy kid, preppy, uh, athlete kid, and it turns out there's some vodka in there, so she's like freaking out, so she like spits it out, um. Then something appears to be like misting over the world, which is basically, I guess, supposed to be the Tarotian mist. Um, so you know, this poor young girl Kamala, she's walking through, trying to heading home. She thinks she might be drunk because she's starting to pass out a little, and she her hands are all going crazy. And she has this, she knocks herself out, and she has this dream because uh, she is actually you know, a big fan of superheroes. She's written fan fiction before for the Avengers. So she's confronted in this, this dream sequence by Captain Marvel herself, Miss uh, Carol Danvers, as well as uh, f- the funniest versions you ever see of Captain America and Iron Man. And they had this discussion, and then um, when she, you know, she realizes she's awake, she's trapped in this you know, cocoon. She's smacking at it, punching at it, trying to get out. And then she escapes, and now she's in a Miss Marvel costume, with the red sash and everything, and now she's suddenly got blonde hair. And she's like, well, Is it too late to change my mind about what? Because uh, this is what she wanted. Um, so I'm excited to see where this, where we're going from here. I mean, obviously, it's part of inhumanity in its own way, because I guess that's how she's triggering her powers. Um, Interested to see where they go from here. It was just such a solid debut, uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, really well illustrated i thought the writing was fantastic i really care about this character i want to see what happens in the next issue i want other people to read this because i think it was just such a solid solid read um you know they they say that there's not enough comics that women would appreciate or enjoy reading i think you know i could i could probably hand this to my wife and it it is an interesting read she might actually read this and think it's cool um you know it's it's not about it's the art isn't what you normally expect from superhero comics um, it's, it doesn't feel like a superhero comic, even though it, you know, it is, underlying themes are, you know, from superheroes, and she's obviously going to be a superhero, but they play it in such a real, real sense that you feel, feel like this is a real girl dealing with actual issues. Um, this was a fantastic reading, giving it a 9. Uh, next up is New Avengers 14. Now, when I first read this, I wrote down my review, my rating right away, which was an 8, and now I look at it, I honestly, honest to God, could not even tell you what happens in this issue? Um... So we're kind of picking up from what's gone on recently. Uh, we're looking at another alternate reality of, you know, the Illuminati dealing with an incursion. So we get to see more about how that is being handled. Uh, we also, which is cool, and obviously they're seeing this kind of through the bridge. You also have um, with the Agamotto Gambit where uh, Dr. Strange is kind of trying to gain more power um, so that he can kind of do what he needs to do and uh, he wants, basically, he's willing to sell his entire soul in order to do it. Uh, his part kind of takes a while to get to the point, Doctor Strange. Uh, watching the other version of the Illuminati deal with a potential incursion, extremely interesting and cool. Um, I'm not a big fan of uh, Simone Bianchi, but uh, this is, you know, not, not bad art by him, but still not always my favorite. I do like the colors by Adriano Dal Dalalpi in uh, Hickman that writes one hell of a script. Um, I especially like watch. I like anything with alternate realities and seeing how alternate realities kind of are uh, different from ours and dealing with the incursions. Are it's really cool and really awesome stuff to see. Um, so that is always entertaining to me to see how kind of how that is uh, constructed and. Um, that's one reason I love Dark Reign, um, Fantastic Four, was seeing the bridge, and seeing the first time it was ever created, and seeing all the different alternate realities that they were kind of dealing with. So I give this an 8 out of 10. Uh, next up, as we, uh, well, this is what, our little fifth last book, so we're, we're kind of in the, the final stretch here. Uh, we have, uh, a new Punisher. Now, Punisher is now by Nathan Edmondson, with artwork by, uh, Gerard's, I believe. Um, you know, I... It's actually you know not bad. it's a different art style than I'm used to it's mitch yeah mitch garides with uh I guess he does everything the colors pencils and everything um it's definitely a more stripped down look at the character it's not that stylized um the and the writing is kind of that way too it's kind of a bare bones kind of punisher um you know it I really liked Greg Rucka's run. He had a genuine feel for how he was going to run the character, and at times you didn't even see the Punisher. It wasn't even a didn't always feel like he was even a Punisher book, but he was there in the in the shadows, and that was almost what made him interesting. And here we have you know Punisher, um, you know he shows up in what Ghana, um, or wait, he doesn't appear in Ghana. Sorry, someone else does. Um, you know we start off with him in in the water, you know, and he's 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 hunting this prey of his. And uh, you know he just off the guy's hand. He feeds him to the gators. It's kind of crazy stuff. Then he's in downtown Los Angeles, and he's kind of hunting new prey. Um, you know, I I enjoyed the issue. It was it did have a bit of a sense of humor, but again, I almost feel like I, I want Punisher to say a little less or talk a little less. I like him being more of a not morose character, but a very solemn, private character. But it's definitely definitely interesting. Um, especially when it looks like we're going to see the Howling Commandos going up against Frank Castle um, I'm definitely interested enough to keep reading um, I didn't, I wasn't looking forward to this as a launch just because I love Greg Wreckers Greg, running the Punisher and for me that will be the Punisher story um, my favorite that I'll ever read I mean, that's narrow-minded because, I mean, I might read something great in the future, but for right now, that is the Punisher story that I want to read. I would read that over and over again. It was just so well done. This was a a solid debut. Not my favorite version of Punisher, but far from my least favorite. Uh, I gave it a 7. Next up is Punisher, uh, sorry, not Punisher, Superior Carnage Annual number 1. Again, it bugs me that it gets an annual after they already put out the trade because for those who, uh, you know bought this in trade they're not going to ever probably buy the single uh i'm not a big fan of the artwork by kim yacinto and mike uh, mike henderson although mike henderson stuff is definitely a lot more to my taste um than actually a lot more now that look at it again i really liked his artwork but the the first you know 20 pages i wasn't a big fan um just because i feel like we've been here before uh cletus cassie's been separated from the symbiote um you know the the symbiote is theoretically dead. It's on Spider Island. It escapes. That's never happened before. Uh, it bonds with all these different people, kind of using them up, so it can get closer and closer to Cassidy before it finally merges with him again. Uh, Colin Bunn, I just felt that this this issue kind of phoned it in, uh, and into what purpose? Like the, the whole point of the end of the last uh, of Superior Carnage was that we kind of see like the quote unquote kind of separation and. Uh, of the symbiote and the man, and now we're putting them right back together again. So what was the point of this? Just to to put back these characters together? Like, I just don't get the point. We just saw this. We just saw them take them apart, and now they're back together. Who cares? Like, it just, they don't know what to do with Carnage. They separate them. Oh my God, what's going to happen now? We're going to put them back together, and again, and again, and again. Cut it out already. I just, I'm done with the story. It's it's not badly done, uh, well, I didn't like the artwork in the first half of the issue, so there's that. But, I mean, the script isn't even bad. It's just uninspired. It's not new. It's not fresh. It doesn't have any originality. I've seen this before. It's been done. It's been done both Venom Symbiote and the Carn- Carnage Symbiote. Stop it already. Stop releasing the same story over and over again. It's just not interesting anymore. Um, Next up. Anyway. And we'll see what it's like um, for uh, the Deadpool vs. Carnage series. That could be fun or it could be extremely one note. Um, You never know with Carnage. I mean, you could have a minimum Carnage where it's absolute garbage with him in the microverse against Venom and Scarlet Spider for no reason. And it doesn't actually have any effect in either of those characters' books. But maybe him against Deadpool would actually be interesting. Although, that being said, Carnage isn't supposed to be a funny character at all. He's supposed to be a crazy psychopath who you're supposed to fear and hate. And... It's just weird. He keeps getting the books to so just keep coming back. Uh, next up is Superior Foes of Spider-Man number eight. Um, I really dug issue seven. I've said it before in the podcast. I think I really was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. It made me go back and read the first uh, six issues. Um, this is, uh, you know, the storytellers are Nick Spencer writing, Steve Lieber uh, on art. Although it feels like maybe there's they com- they work together a lot on uh, on kind of putting it all together uh the issue starts with uh boomerang being pretty much beaten the crap out of him or he's being tortured a little bit by uh chameleon and one of his heavies because he wants to know what happened to the head of silvio uh silverman uh shocker has the head of so- silverman and doesn't really know needs doesn't really know what to do about it and i just it, it does bother me how shocker is so ineffectual and such a loser here but it's kind of funny how he deals with silverman. Um, now that the rest of the team knows that Beatles hooked up with uh, Tombstone and Tombstone's daughter, it's definitely kind of changed their relationships. But they have to find a boomerang so that they can kind of turn the screws on him. A boomerang, they get beaten up, and then the uh, the picture of uh, Doom is, is stolen from him. Uh, and then he ends up going out on his date with uh, the girl was from the from the bar. Uh, they actually have an interesting kind of relation or discussion, and he kind of come clean with her, which I didn't expect him to, about him being a supervillain, and she just kind of sticks around, because, you know, he's not the worst person, well, he's pretty awful, but she doesn't know all of it, and at the very end, it looks like, you know, maybe he'll find some love and happiness, and, oh, he's on someone's sniper's site, and it's Bullseye. Now, that made me think, well, first of all, who's hiring Bullseye, who can afford him? Second of all, I don't even know what is up with Bullseye these days. Uh, He was dead, then I guess he was alive, but then he didn't have a... But he was paralyzed, his entire body was paralyzed, and now suddenly he's able to be, you know, taking shots at someone. It definitely made me wonder about continuity, and I feel like there has to be... I know people say continuity is kind of a dirty word in comics, but I'm okay with there being continuity cops to a certain degree. Some sort of internal consistency is not a bad idea. And it just made me wonder, well, how is he even there? I go cross-eyed thinking about it. Um, it was. I gave uh, Superior Force Spider-Man a 8 and 8, because I thought it was a pretty solid issue. Uh, and then we have Wolverine number one. The art's fantastic. Uh, oh, the story not so great. Uh, it's written by Paul Cornell, who continues his run on Wolverine now stretching over two volumes. Ryan Stegman's on art, and it's fantastic. Very clean, um, very very kinetic stuff. Um, the story is kind of dumb. Um, you know, Wolverine. Is, you know, we don't really know exactly what happens that makes him decide to, you know, become a low rent supervillain. Um, he or not even technically low rent because they do some stuff in space so I guess he's pretty high cost he's got this team that we don't really know a lot about yet but he's like making out with one of them to get super speed I don't know what that's all about um, there's a character named The Offer or that he's kind of working with he shoots someone in the head here which I don't really get who that character is even supposed to be but he says he's from the Daily Bugle I feel like maybe if I paid more attention during the last uh, run of uh, Wolverine maybe I'd know who this character was Um, I don't know. Do we need to see a Wolverine who's going to shoot someone in the head even if they deserve it? I I don't know if I really want to see that. I mean, Wolverine with a gun, I'm fine with him having a gun. I mean, it's kind of dumb, but he should have a range attack of some kind, I guess. Um, I just don't... I I feel like this could have been a double-sized issue just to explain a little bit more. Like, give me a little bit more to understand why we're going this direction. Because if... If you don't give me that, or give me some sort of reason to want to know why he's like, or a little bit more to go on, then I'm not necessarily going to stick around to find out. I might just be like, I don't think this is the Wolverine I want to be reading. I don't want really want to be seeing a Wolverine shooting people in the head. Maybe I won't stick around at all. And then you've lost a reader. So, we'll see. I'll probably read issue two, because I love Stegman's art. I would give the art a four out of five, but the story, i give it two. So, it's a six out of ten overall. Uh, and next up, is last actually, is uh, X-Men... 10 point now i've really been enjoying this book the last uh few issues were from last issues particular was fantastic uh now we're starting a new storyline which is really just carrying on from the old um so arkea is still kind of the um you know the the bogey in the air the thing that everyone wants uh you have yuriko running the sisterhood um i like the you have the female squad of x-men kind of looking uh, looking after this and going after her um there's some interesting stuff here, interesting stuff with Sublime and, uh, and Rachel Summers. Uh, I like seeing Psylocke and M working together as well because they're trying to hunt down where exactly Death Strike, Enchantress, and of Mary have gone off to. Um, and then there's some Sentinels getting activated here, which I really thought was cool. Um, on Catalina Island, you have... Uh, I forget who all these characters are. There's Jubilee, Pixie. The character, I always forget who she is. Uh, someone please tell me. And, uh, Hellion, who I thought didn't have arms at some point, but I guess he does now. Who's in, like, weird little briefs, which is kind of funny. It's Gorge artwork by Clay Mann. Um, Nathan and Strzok will be extremely happy to read this. And they go up against some Sentinels. Um, I was talking with, uh, Paul Scora as a freaking guest of the show on my brother-in-law on the weekend. And he was saying how, didn't in AVX all the, uh, you know, the Phoenix Five get rid of all the Sentinels on Earth? So how are all these sentinels still around, shielded a shitload of sentinels? Um there's these sentinels that are in the bottom of the ocean that are suddenly being, you know, uh, resurrected by Archaea. Really? Like what's going on? Like that's and that's a good point. Like what what did they achieve? That was one of the first things they did. When they lost the power, all the sentinels didn't, didn't just go back to where they were. So it just feels like again, oh, I hate to harp on continuity, but it's got to be a little bit of that. When it's such a huge plot point, they did a lot of things in AVX. They you know, they used, what, Zax as a power source for, what, somewhere in Africa or something? None of that was ever addressed. Um, you know, they fixed a lot of things, and then I guess the world just went back to normal, even though that makes no sense whatsoever. They changed things for the better in some places. Yet, that just gets totally swept under the rug because they went crazy afterwards. Uh, anyways, the, the artwork in this issue is by Anka on uh, the first 15 pages, and then pages 16 to 20 by Clayman, and they are some gorgeous pages, and it's written by Brian Wood. Anyways, that, and that's an 8 out of 10 books. So that is everything for this week. Uh, the books I didn't get a chance to read or didn't read are include Action Comics 28, Avengers AI number 9, Batman Black and White 6, Ferris 23, Green Arrow 28, Green Lantern, Red Lantern's uh, flip issue 28, which I think is a great idea, I just didn't have a chance to read it, uh, of having both issues in one, so you can just have it as a flipbook. A, a brilliant idea, uh, interesting way of, you know, you, get, you just buy one, but you get both, and you're only paying the cost of one. Uh, it's an it's a interesting experiment to take, but I'm sure people might actually turn on to Red Lanterns now because of this issue. Uh, less likely the other way, because if you're reading Red Lanterns, you're probably reading Green. But it's not necessarily the other way, so this is a really smart marketing idea. Uh, Also, there was Hinterkind number 5, Iron Man 21, Looney Tunes 217, Marvel Knight, Spider Man number 5, Muddy Avengers 6, Movement number 9, Painkiller Jane, Price of Freedom 4, Stormwatch 28, Swamp Thing 28, Trillium number 6, Trinity of Sin, The Phantom Stranger 16, and Vampire Diaries number 2. Moving forward, we have uh, for next week, uh, next week I guess is the 12th of February. Um, to take a look at what's coming out this coming week. Just give me one moment. I usually have all this ready at my fingertips, and this time not so much. Apparently I was extremely uh, unprepared this time around. Uh, this coming week, we see the release of the following books. Uh, we have on the 12th coming out, we have, uh, let's see, DC. Well, there's, well, not it's not DC, but we have the, the Royals, Masters of War. There's new issues of, of Walking Dead. Um, etc. But what I'm looking for... Well, DC has Batgirl 28, Batman 28, uh, a new edition of Dark Victory, for those who haven't picked it up before, the classic and really well-done Jeff Loeb and um, Tim Sale uh, sequel to Long Halloween. Uh, You've got the first trade of Constantine coming out, as well as the new issue of that, number 11. You have the third hardcover of Flash, which is Guerrilla Warfare, uh, Harley Quinn number one has a second printing of its first issue. Um, Justice League three thousand continues. I kind of jumped off after after the last issue and probably won't go back. I just wasn't a fan. Uh, for those who like the classic Legion of Superhero storyline, the Great Darkness Saga, a new edition of that in trade comes out. Um, you have Nightwing twenty eight as we slowly get closer to the end for that book. Uh, Superboy 28, Suicide Squad 28, which is a tie into to, uh, Forever Evil, uh, the third trade paperback of Supergirl comes out, you have Superman and Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman number 25, sorry, number 5, um, and then you also have the Villains Month 3D Motion Complete Set, which is $200, holy crap, um, for those, uh, people who like, um, you know, Image Comics, there's a new issue of Fatale, uh, new issue of Egos, um, Hoax Hunters has its third trade paperback already. Uh, Prophet has its third trade paperback as well, and Walking Dead is issue 121. Uh, Switching over to Marvel next week, or in two days as I read this, uh, we have All-New X-Factor number three. Really digging this book, so I'm excited for this issue. Uh, All-New X-Men 23, so another chapter in the Trial of Jean Grey saga. Um, We have the Avengers 26, which is part of All-New Marvel Now. Um, The Avengers by Hickman first trade paperback finally comes out as well as the first trade paperback of the Captain America um, Castaway and Dimension Z storyline. Yes, I'm Canadian, that's why it's Z and not Z. Uh, the second oversized hardcover of the Daredevil by Mark Waid is coming out. Um, got the second trade of the Fearless Defenders uh, series, which is already over. You have the first trade paperback of the Iron Man a series by Kieran Gillen. Uh, I'm considering going back and buying that, or either that buying that or the hardcover just to have the digital copy, because that first story I actually liked with the Extremis. Uh, it was after that where I kind of checked out and didn't like it anymore Um, Revolutionary War Death's Head number two number one that's a confusing title but great Uh, for those who were waiting on the trade for Scarlet Spider the last trade Into Grave or Into the Grave is coming out Um, a new issue of Secret Avengers which may or may not be the last issue I think it might be Um, the new She-Hulk book starts as well as the She-Hulk by Dan Slott complete collection comes out uh, which is there's going to be two volumes of this but if you like by looking at the art and where they're, I guess, planning to go with the story for the new She Hulk book, I feel like you should go back and read uh, Dan Slott's book. I mean, even if you don't care about the new one, you should still read She Hulk by Dan Slott. It is a fantastic book, absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, Thor: God of Thunder, nineteen point now. Superior Spider-Man, twenty-seven point now, which I'm super excited for because this is the first issue of uh, Goblin Nation, which I'm super, which is the last storyline, so I'm a little sad. Uh, You got uh, Winter Soldier Bitter March number one uh, by Recommender. Uh, You got Wolverine the X-Men 41. I don't think that's the last issue, but we're getting close. Uh, The new X-Force is launching, and uh, you have another issue of X-Men Legacy, and that's, I believe, ending soon, too. So, that is everything that's coming out on the 12th of February. And so, thank you for joining me for this episode of Comic Shenanigans. You can email me at comic shenanigans at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, and you can also please rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, if you do rate, or if you do send in like an actual review, let me know and I'll read it on the air. Um, I only say let me, let me know because, as I mentioned in one of my previous episodes, uh, unless um, I know which country I'm supposed to be looking for, I may not actually see the comment as mine is proof you know as i'm in canada it's uh preset to show me the canadian itunes and unless it's there i'm not actually going to see your rating and review so anyway uh thank you for joining me for the episode uh the next episode i have no idea what we're going to be talking about uh i'm hoping it'll be an episode with my wife uh, kelly chapman uh we are uh seeing the lego movie uh this week so maybe that'll be the episode if i can convince you to podcast uh, either that or I'd like to do a Valentine's Day kind of episode looking at uh, favorite relationships in comics. Um, it'd be nice to, do, again, do that one with my wife as well, but we'll see. I could I could tell her, well, that could be her Valentine's Day present to me, doing a podcast, but we'll see. Anyways, thank you very much for joining me for the episode, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye, everybody.